So just the four Heineken Cups and eight league titles, not to mention an academy system that's the envy of the rugby world. Oh, and now seven wins on the bounce to start a new season. It's not a bad way for Mick Dawson to sign off, I guess. It's time to start harping on rugby. Welcome to Harpin' on Rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and once again, I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland, and the wider rugby world. Now, obviously, with the weekend that's in it and the finest tradition of The Simpsons, I'll have to introduce my guests using Halloween puns. So first up, making his 24th appearance is Mr. Connor Scarecronin. Welcome, sir. Oh, bravo. That's a, that, that's a good one. Thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, joining me, and probably right now cringing about what I'm about to do to his surname, is uh, someone back for cap number 17. He's coming to us from the Great Rock of Gibraltar. Hello to Mr. Richard Weirwolf Sood. <laughs> that's, 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 not, that's not my best, but, but in fairness, now, Miff Sood was a bit of a tough one. And if it, if it, <laughs> If anyone, if anyone listening wants to improve on it, they can send their suggestions to not a real email address at pogmahone.ie. Okay, so uh, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just move on from there. Uh, right, gents, before we get to our main topic of discussion, we're just going to start with a feature we call the Front Five. Uh, our focus is on uh, Leinster and Ireland, but we also like to harp on the wider rugby world. And we picked out five eye-catching, eight-chasing stories from around the rugby sphere, so we can offer a few quick thoughts. We're going to start with yourself, Connor. Uh, this is uh, from the uh, Leinster Rugby website, and it's by Marcus Obukula. And the headline is Mick Dawson, a celebration. Yeah, look, what can you say about Mick Dawson's time over the last 21 years that won't have already been said by somebody else by now? Uh, it's... It's just been an incredible run for him. And we've been very lucky to have him and very lucky to have somebody who just didn't want the limelight, didn't want to make it about him, wanted to make it about the team and the players. And you know, you, you, even when you read through this article and some of the things people say, and um, I think the one that I like most is what Leo Cullen said, you know, where it's here he was trying to maintain no, we've just become professionals, but still maintain a sense of that amateurism um, from a, you know, a community perspective and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's, it's a great read. It's a great tribute to somebody who has been an incredible servant to Leinster over the last 21 years and whose time, who he'll be absolutely missed. You know, he's, he's overseen the transition from Donnybrook to the RDS. He's overseen... As, as you mentioned, many a trophy, and um, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll, we'll be sadder not to have him around, but it'll be good to let him have his own life back a little bit as well. Um, it, it's it's a really it's a, a, a fitting tribute this article mm -hmm. to someone who's been so great for the club, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, 
owners like uh, your man from Tulane, what's his name, Murad Bujadel, was ever. I mean, Nick Dawson is the absolute antithesis opposite of him. He's unassuming. He, he got on and did his job and uh, and uh, just oversaw the growth of the club. It was success on the pitch, off the pitch, everything that's happened around Leinster rugby. It's all down to him. And he just, he, he doesn't look for any uh, recognition. He could walk around the RDS and no one would know who he was really. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in any job, they say, leave it better than you find it. And he certainly did that. And uh, be, be best wishes to him going forward. Okay, Rich, we're going to move over to yourself. Um, this, your article is from the uh, the Irish Times, Jerry Thornley. And the headline is, uh, Rugby in the Firing Line as Brain Damage is Linked to Contact Sports. I think my first impression is, is that it's sad that we're still having to read these things. Um, a lot has been done. A lot needs to be done. Um, you know, and, and, and it's something that quite rightly uh, rugby is taking very seriously and has been uh, for a number of years. Um, what is of concern, of course, is in, in the article, when they interview uh, Tim Lynch, he, 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 he actually speaks about the societal basically phobia of this uh, or, or and lack of, of understanding. So, so clearly some, something that needs to be uh, pushed through from an educational perspective. My main concern about this article, which is actually something that isn't even mentioned, is that it's all very well for the professional players to come under the watchful eye of the medical teams, etc. But how many of these guys and women are undiagnosed? those who play in the non-professional leagues. Um, and, and it's just across the world. I mean, you've probably seen that horrific clunk to the head in the French league uh, only this last weekend. And, you know, and, and on it goes. And, and my main bugbear with uh, with concussion, and actually before I carry on, there's, there's a very good movie uh, starring Will Smith called Concussion. Yep. Uh, and must it's about, watch, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a must watch. Uh, it, it is really, really good. Um, and quite thought-provoking, uh, obviously to do with the NFL. Um, but, you know, the, the point that I wanted to make was there are role models, and some of these role models are the commentators uh, of, of rugby games. And sadly, uh, and, 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 and quite um, recklessly, particularly some of the Southern Hemisphere commentators are completely against the sanctioning of high hits. I mean, really? Um, even, even in our match the other day, uh, when Steph Evans, uh, and, and admittedly that was, it wasn't malicious, he just caught, I forget the, the, the play he caught high, I think it was Ross Byrne, uh, whom he caught high. And, and no malicious intent, no, hardly any, F, uh, hardly any um, impact, but it has to be given because you have to protect those players. But the commentator yeah. said, oh, you know, in years gone by, Blah blah blah. Although, but then they corrected it by saying, although technically speaking, it is a high shot. Yeah. So thankfully they qualified it. But if you hear some of the Southern Hemisphere commentators, bloody hell, it's just reckless, yeah. reckless. And this is something which is incredibly difficult. Uh, and it wrecks lives, and and that much is obvious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a conversation we just we have to keep having, yeah. and, and until until we get it right. I mean, if, if these if there's an article like this every week, I'll include it in this section every week. We just keep talking about it because uh, it's important. And when and the, when you say like the people you want to listen to. Uh, aren't the people like those commentators you're talking about or what I call the safety skeptics uh, online, uh, the, the, the Twitter machine, let the boys play and all that stuff. That's a whole realm that that 
we just we just can't we can't listen to them. It's the progressive rugby's and it's the uh, Ben Robinsons people who it's not like they want to they don't want to stop the game. They don't want to end the game of rugby. They don't want to change it drastically, but they just want to explore avenues to, to just to make it safer and yeah. uh, and and ch- and change behavior while still keeping the game as much as it can the way. And they're the ones we should be listening to. So hopefully we'll still keep talking about it, but keep moving forward as we, as we go. Okay, so um, moving on from there, Connor, your article, your next article is from uh, the 42.ie's by Murray Kinsella, and the headline is 29 Irish women's players take up contract offers worth 15 to 30,000. Yeah, I think a lot of people will hear this and you'll get two sides of this argument. You'll get all those who are saying, brilliant, the IRFU is finally offering proper contracts and they're offering, you know, real money to these women <laughs> to play sport as opposed to what we had in the past where you've got women taking time off from their jobs and trying to trying to balance things that way so that's great the flip side you're going to get is oh who who really wants to take just 15 grand is that 15 grand train is that 15,000 for game time what's this actually covering and in fairness we're not entitled to all the details but I want to. I just want to be sure that they're being treated fairly. I mean, the, the fact that twenty nine out of thirty seven took the contract is positive. It, it it indicates that whatever the terms and conditions are, they're happy. Uh, they're happy with it. Certainly, as a starting point and as a point to build from. Um, the other thing that's in that article is the inclusion of John McKee coming in. Um, to, to be involved as, as a coach, that's brilliant. There's mention of this new Celtic <laughs> Cup and how that's going to help develop the game. And again, it's baby steps, it's small things, but the really important thing is that it's steps. It's a start. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. And the article, for those who read it or those who will read it, you'll see that. it's None of it's perfect. None of it's exactly what we want it to be from the off but then when was it ever and at least if we start somewhere you know that there's room to grow and room to develop Mm. then you don't end up with like what's happened over the water in the premiership where it's like here's what we're going to do we're going to do exactly this and there's no room to change and no scope and then everything goes head over heels on you a few years later um i think i say it's, it's a really good start and it's great for the women's game. It's great that, you know, I've, I've got three daughters to know that when they go to these games, it's not that she had to give up four days of work this week and fly over at her own expense to be here to play in front of you. It's that they take it seriously. The IRFU takes seriously and makes sure that these people are here and these people are paid for their time. And I think that's great. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I mean, obviously, Irish women's rugby was in, this, in the only direction was up from where it was uh, a while ago. But still, it is good to hear these announcements. I like the timing of this one as well. Uh, some really positive news right in the middle of the World mm-hmm. Cup, which we are not at. Uh, I think it's good to to show that we're working towards uh, building towards next next year. There's a six six nations coming up. There's um, 
there's this new world in which we could possibly qualify for this new world uh, WXV competition. And there's a lot going forward. That Celtic Cup as well. That's a good idea. There's a lot, there's a lot going forward. Like you say, it's not going to be perfect. But the way rugby is structured, every union's got to do things their own way. They got to look at the way they're structured and, and work work the way they're doing it. So I think the IRFU, they've made mistakes in the past. There's no doubt about that. But you just give them, they've got time now to, to, to do things. And at least we are hearing these announcements and they're getting progressively better. So hopefully, hopefully it'll improve uh, even more down the line. Okay, so Rich, back to yourself. We're going to get into this week's action now uh, with these next two articles. You've got the Irish Examiner, and it's Simon Lewis, and the headline is The Fight Back Not Enough as Injury Hit Munster Suffer Third Derby Defeat. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, it, it really was a tale of um, or a game of two halves, to use the old uh, cliche. Um, that first half, Munster just couldn't live with, uh, with Ulster. In particular, and the Ulster, or rather, Ulster generally, and the Ulster Mall in particular. Um, so, you know, it, it was really, really belaboured whenever they had the ball, and it's a question of when they had the ball because they didn't, they didn't have an awful lot of possession. Um, and they, they, you know, admittedly, they've they've got a huge injury list, um, plus the internationals away, of course. Um, but even so, you still had some players on that pitch who are pretty experienced, uh, and some who came on in the second half. Um, and I, you know, I'll touch upon the second half in, in, in a sec, but, but they looked distinctly rudderless in, in that first half. Um, and I, I really don't know, and you know, and I hate to, to, to profess any knowledge of Munster rugby because you know, I don't, I don't support Munster, but obviously, I have watched them uh, through the years many a time. And I think they're just lacking their, what their identity is. Um, or, or rather, I, they need to decide on what their identity is and, and get the playing staff uh, um, accordingly. Um, I, you know, I, and, and, you know, Munster fans feel free to shoot me down in flames, but I don't think you can have a Craig Case in a Jack Crowley playing the Munster way. Uh, the, the, you know, the alleged Munster way of forwards dominated uh, because they are very, very, they're very good players. Uh, they, they will they will improve and get infinitely better. Um, but their style of play is very different. It's more suited to the island setup. Um, you know, and, and I, I just, I think Graham Roundtree needs to understand, you know, he, he knows infinitely more. He's, he, he will have forgotten infinitely more about rugby than I will ever learn. But, um, you know, I, I just sense this. Um, but anyway, moving on to the second half, it, it was a, a comeback. Um, Alster took the, the foot off the pedal um, and some of the changes that came on. I, I think I need to highlight, um, what's his name, Edwin Adogbo, is it? Um, the, um, the monster lock. That is a force of nature in the making. That kid is going to be it, it properly coached and, you know, uh, he still needs to lose his, his baby fat. Uh, but once he does, he is, like I say, he's a force of nature uh, and will be an awesome player. You know, I, if things uh, pan out as they ought to, I see him wearing green in the not-too-distant future, to be honest. Um, so anyway, they, they, you know, they, they came back into the match. They grounded it out. Um, and quite honestly, I think they were unlucky not to win it uh, at, at the end. Um they, they, but you know, they they left themselves too much to do in that first half. 
Uh, and, and for a while in that second half, I thought, you know, you're trading penalties for, for tries. You're never going to get anywhere. But the fact of the matter is that they, they you know, Ulster kept shipping pens um, and they kept slotting them over. And of course, Doak uh, left six, six or eight points, um, you know, in, in, in his pocket without without putting them over the uh, over the bar. Mm. So you know, all in all, I think, eh, you know, you know, you just said it. The only way is up for Munster. Um, but hey, it's. It's one of those things that, you know, and, and, and a good monster side is good for Irish rugby. Um, and, you know, because it keeps the rest of us honest anyway. Okay, so uh, that gives, brings us on to our uh, fifth and final story here it's for you, Connor. This is from Rugby365. And the headline is, uh, Cardi drop goal, seals Connett win in Swansea. Yeah, I watched that game. Uh, even without the article, I mean, it was it was a bit messy. It was strewn with errors all over the place you know just silly moments and bad knocks on and and, and the likes but um i think when when you look back if you watch the highlights you'll see that right before that drop goal cardi knows he's got an advantage and it's a shot to nothing see what happens he's taken three points either way out of that situation and it was good to see some it, it's a good decision a good decision at the right time let's not try and run this let's not run the risk of fellas getting <clears throat> smashed another couple of times let's just play this sensibly try for that three and if we don't get it we'll go for that three is what it looks like and I like seeing him making good decisions not just as a 10 but as a captain as well because it's building Connacht rugby into a stronger side it's building that team and it's building what they're again it they they've identified what they are and how they want to play and it's good to watch i think um they'll all go into the video session and say how did we leak 12 points in less than 10 minutes um and i think more importantly ospreys will go in afterwards and say how the hell did we let a 12 point lead disappear and end up losing that game um good match though and i think Again, it's good for Irish rugby to see see uh, see Connacht winning. Yep, moves them up, and uh, and you know after they had such a, a a rough start, you know on the pitch as well, but they had to play the first few matches away from home as well, and things weren't going great for them. So it's good to, they're they're starting to pick up a few uh, more results now, and hopefully they'll they'll move in the right direction. Okay, so that's it for the front five. As always, you'll find all those links in the program notes. Now it's time for us to start harping our way through the timeline of our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Scarlets v. Leinster in round seven of the 22-23 BKT United Rugby Championship. As always, our match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store. It was the 7.35 p.m. start on Friday at the Parky Scarlets. There was rain forecast for Hanethli, but it seemed to stay away uh, for the most part. Um, on our Harp and Preview show, Mark Jackson thought this had the potential to be something of a banana skin for Leinster. And since then, I've been kicking myself for not spotting the opportunity to make a joke using the name Dwayne Peel, the Scarlets head coach. But uh, I'm going to hear all about that during the week on our pun DVD session. But uh, anyway, listen, let's, let's, let's finally get on to the match. Um, we've spoken a lot about Leinster's ability to get off to a good start start in all of our matches this season with well maybe with last week's win at the Aviva being the exception but this week well I suppose nobody could possibly score faster from a restart at this level than Mac Hansen's try in Paris but Rich um uh what happened here came pretty close and it wasn't even a restart it was just a start 
It was indeed. Um, you know, we, we we kick off. Uh, Shingler loses his bearings in the air. Ball goes out. Uh, we get a line out on their on their twenty two, and it, it'd be interesting to find out how much of this is Andrew Goodman, uh, Andrew Goodman's in, influence. Um, it's a set move off the training paddock, uh, off the top by uh, by Ross Maloney, who called lineouts to himself pretty much throughout the match. Um, off to uh, to Luke McGrath, uh, on to Charlie Nate, and this is where it gets where this gets very clever. Uh, clearly, they had targeted Charlie Nate uh, both because he is a very good player uh, and had really after. A, after the, the the understandable early wobbles, new club, new country, etc., he's hit the ground running, um, and he is like a pocket battleship. Uh, so of course, he he actually draws three players to him. Uh, quick pop out the back to Ross Byrne, across to uh, young Master Cosgrave, and <laughs> through a huge gap. Um, in, in the Scarlet's uh, defence, and, and and over he goes. Um, simple thing done brilliantly, pretty much. Uh, a manipulation of the Scarlet's defence uh, by attracting so many players to just the one player and then releasing out the back. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a gem of a try. Uh, it's a yeah. team try and worked perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about like training, professional training drills, but it, it looked like the way it would go on the training drill, they do mm. all the extra passes and score yeah. the try, but they're not expecting to get to that stage. They figure someone's going to be tackled or yeah. someone's going to be blocked the ball, you know, and they'll have to recover from there. But it just mm. all went perfectly, inch perfect and try. And uh, uh, it's not even a minute on the clock, I don't think, at that stage. No, 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So um, so Ross Byrne added the extras, making it 7-0. And although we misjudged the restart ourselves next with the ball, this time sailing over uh, skipper Reese Ruddick, this time we managed to recover it, which kind of summed up how this match was going to go. Uh, shortly after that, the Scarlets won a penalty for offside. And they opted to go for his touch. So they had their own early opportunity. But after such a perfect start, attacking-wise, Connor, now it was time for our trademark de- defense to start kicking in. Yeah, and you worry when, you know, a lot of the big names, in inverted commas, uh, when those guys are missing and, okay, who's stepping into that gap? And are they used to each other? And are we going to have this cohesion that we've talked about before? But it's there all along the line. You know, people are talking to each other. People are communicating. You know Who's, who's next up for the tackle? And it's just great to watch. It is so solid. Hit after hit after hit. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter who's next along the line. In that situation, in that close-out stuff where they're trying to pick and drive and pick and drive and get over and they're not making use of their backs, um, it, it's almost like it looks easy for Lens to say, it's grand, we just, it's just another tackle. It's just another tackle. And that mindset of it's just another tackle means that I just have to hit him here and drive him backwards a bit if I can. And if I can't drive him backwards, just make sure he hits the deck. And constantly repeat, 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 repeat. Um, you, you can see that the sessions pay off because it becomes <clears throat> muscle memory. It's I stand here, that ball is out, I go. And... You know, say say what you like about how good the that attacking line was. Watching that defensive line be so solid, 
is just brilliant because it's all well and good to know you can score four tries and get a bonus point. It's keeping the other team out. And I think if we ever adapt in this hemisphere to that model of bonus points where it's not just score four, but keep X number ahead of your opposition, Mm -hmm. our defence is going to be what keeps us climbing that table all the time. Right, so having weathered that early storm, we managed to press down at their end of the pitch, although we were thwarted by Ruddick getting pinged at a lineup. That niggly little uh, call for crossing when you're trying to help the lifter, it's, it's really annoying. It happened again later in the match. Technical thing, because yeah. you, you, you literally, went and training myself on nights where you lift the guy, and as you come down, what you want to be doing is you want to be turning him as you come down, and you yeah. want to be reaching around the back of him. Yeah. But the problem is that until he is down and solid, and takes half a step, then you get that arm round. Yeah. But we're just, we're, we're that half a step too early, it yeah. seems, both times. And sometimes, sometimes it's just, uh, the, as he lifted, he just had to move a little bit for the ball. And that puts him in a different position. So when he comes down, you're on the wrong side of him. You just have to be wary yeah. of where, what he's doing in the air. It's very, it's very fine technical thing, but it, it's so frustrating when you're, you're basically expecting a try from this lineup. And, and and it gets thwarted for something like that. But anyway, listen, it's a, that, that, that's, 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 that's something we can look at later. Uh, but before we go back to the timeline, Rich, maybe we can talk now about the role played by Max Deegan in this performance. Uh, he did a lot of our heavy lifting, often literally, especially in the first half. Yeah, and it's not the first uh, performance where he's put in a very good performance. Um, and I, I obviously don't know Max Deegan myself, uh, but he, he's clearly a confidence player. And I liked that he was made captain for the Emerging Island squad um, because I think there was that's a recognition that A, he's a very good player, but B, he needs that proverbial arm over his shoulder to say, you know, that people are different. You know, it, it, it's, it's swings and roundabouts. Some people require kicks up the arse and others require the, 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 the shoulder, uh, the arm over the shoulder. And uh, Max Deegan clearly is, is, is one of the latter. So I've been, I've always liked Max, Max Deegan. Um, I've been pretty frustrated with the Max Deegan we've had over the last couple of seasons. He hasn't been up to what he promised. Um, I mean, don't forget that he started coming onto the scene at the same time as Caelan Doris and, you know, and, and, and these people and Will Connors and the like. And um, I, 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 I was already re- reaching the, the, the conclusion that he flattered to deceive, but I'm, really really happy for him that he seems to be building up that fortitude uh and it's here at the top two inches really uh what he needs because he's got all the other attributes he's good in the air he's 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 strong he you know he as you say he did an awful lot of heavy carrying some of the some of the charges through the middle i mean he had people hanging off him like uh you know like orcs um you know he was just barreling his way through uh, that speaks to me of a player who's who's, who's on form and who's, who's playing very well and you know i i mean hope, hopefully i'll see him next friday in at the rds uh playing for island day we, we don't know what the selection is going to be yet but um but hey this is uh i i, I like what i'm seeing of max deegan this season Okay, so uh, back to the match itself. And when the TMO judge Scott Penny had knocked on close to the try line, the Scarlets were able to clear. And when we were pinged in midfield for a neck roll, they had another chance down at our end of the pitch. And this time they did manage to find a gap in our defences, Connor. Yeah, and it's one of those moves where I 
I've enjoyed watching Ireland do it a lot in the last couple of years, but I didn't enjoy watching it happen on <laughs> Friday night because it is that thing of stretch a defence, stretch them wide, stretch them wide and switch it back the other way quick where all the backs are lining up waiting and all it took was <clears throat> one too many men on the wrong side of that last rook or you know, just watching into the rook and suddenly Steph Evans, who doesn't need two opportunities and he doesn't need to be asked twice, he's just gone. He is so quick um, through the gap and across and into the corner to, to score. It's a really well taken try. Like it, it, there's, you can't complain a huge amount when a try like that happens, except to say, OK, who is the man who got sucked in? Who's the man who wasn't standing where he might have been? Um, but look, that's for the lads to to deal with the training next week. And I think, you know, for for all our defence is really, really good when it is forwards and forwards, you know, the, the, them trying to pummel a line. Um, every now and then, somebody's going to find a gap. And like I say, it's a well-taken try. Yep. I mean, I've seen matches over the years when... Um... When we've got a result like this, we've invited one team for a try. And you hear some comments, people going, their first takeaway from the match is, oh, that one try we let in. Never mind the 50 points we put down the other end. They're, they're, they're moaning about this. But in a, in a game like this, well, for, for one thing, it's a percentage sport. I mean, if you if, it, teams are going to find a gap and they're going to work a gap on you eventually. It's how you do over the course of the 80 minutes. And there's no doubt that, that we had their number for the most, most part of the game. This time we were stretched. Um, Steph Evans was wearing the 13 jersey, but you knew he was going to show up on the wing at some point, and uh, and and he was he was more than more than able to put it away. So uh, I mean, and but I noticed about this game that nobody was talking about the Scarlet try afterwards. I mean, I saw no complaints about her defense for that because it was just so good for the rest of the game, and uh, there was a consideration for for the for the team we had out there as well. And uh, so now that, that there's, but I mean, at the time with the score of seven five, we were going, you know, we we still weren't quite sure how this game was going to go. So like because they. They, they put the conversion wide and it was seven, five, the clock had just ticked into the second quarter. But I mean, I still had this feeling that we did look like scoring again, being fair. We, I think, I think we did have a control of, of, of what was happening. And when the Scarlets were caught with a crooked lineup throw around halfway, we did manage to strike again from that scrum rich. We did indeed. Um, played it off the, off the back of the scrum. Um, started edging edging uh, left, uh, but then we weren't getting very far that way, but uh, we we got them um, piled up on the left. So moved the ball quickly uh, to the right, uh, missed pass by, uh, by Ross Byrne onto Rob Russell. And then who requires ringer the winger? We have Mackie on the wing. <laughs> uh, and he was... You know, it was a great kick through by uh, by Rob Russell. Mackie's charging down the wing like a, like a like a wildebeest gets to the ball before the Scarlets player heads it on, <laughs> thankfully. And Rob Russell chasing his own kick uh, dots down very uh, close to the line. It's it's just an individual uh, skills try, isn't it? Um, and what what was most pleasing about this was the desire of those two youngsters who were just, you know, quite apart from the skill set of Rob Russell and, and the thought process of let, let's kick it ahead, I'm going to turn the defender. But, you know, you, you've got to... And the, we wouldn't be having this conversation five years ago, three years ago even, about the guy charging, uh, chasing after the ball is a hooker. That, that, that ain't never going to happen. Uh, but now it might have been, been Sean Cronin. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, there is. There is. He, no, he was the exception that proved the rule. He, he was. He was yeah. the exception, yeah. admittedly. Yeah, uh, but you know, you, you've got these these kids on on the wing. Um, but like I say, it's it's the desire to get to the ball, uh, the desire by Rob Russell to continue chasing his own his own uh, kick through uh, and dotting down. And you know, it, it's just a wonderful try. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, checked for all the right reasons by the by the ref team, uh, but. Another another try on the on the board, and again, Ross Byrne was able to add the extra points. This time, a really good one from the touchline, making it fourteen to five. Now, I'd like to say the half fizzled out from here, but looking back, this had nothing on the second half when it came to fizzling out. But uh, possibly the only incident of any note before the break was scrum half Gareth Davies maybe overreacting a bit to a clear out from Reese Ruddock. The, the challenge was pinged, and rightfully so, but Davies felt as though he'd been hit in the head, which I, I didn't think he was. But uh, anyway, the Scarlets did press a bit more, and Deegan capped off a fine half with a strong tackle at the end, leaving the score at halftime. Scarlets 5, Leinster 14. Okay, so the second half kicked off. Uh, Deegan stole another line out in the opening minutes, and uh, Nate showed some nice composure, throwing a dummy before clearing his lines as the Scarlets tried to get back into it. But for the most part, the first few minutes were a series of high balls back and forth, trying to force a mistake. And the home side was the first to blink when they got pinged at a halfway for holding. And now we had our at first attacking chance of the half, Connor. Yeah, um, really good find of touch. You know, it was only, I think, about seven or eight meters out. Um, and I think what makes this move for me is a couple of things, and they were both McKee, because good throw, well taken, gets himself in a good position at the back of the mall. The mall starts driving, and it's the moment he breaks. It's a really well-timed moment to get out and push through, and he drives over the, uh, the one Scarlet's defender who's trying to stop him. He gets that extra two meters, and suddenly... We're only a metre and a half from the line and it's just a couple more phases before Clarkson happens to be the one who's picking the ball up at the base of a rook and with McKee shouldering him over, gets across the line for another try, um, which will have you know kept the forwards happy. They were uh, <laughs> they, they, they had no tries on the board at this stage. Um, so I think that they'll have been happy out to see the line out working well doing what it was supposed to do, the mall doing what it was supposed to do. And again, everybody knowing their role. No one went to support, no one went to latch, no one went to drive the man on for that extra couple of uh, couple of inches to get the try. Yep, definitely. And it was a good finish by Clarkson as well. He got that, like you say, got the got the final push there at the end. And, uh, and on John McKee, I mean, we were wondering, uh, we wanted to see a good display from someone like him because, you know, Dan Sheehan basically played every minute of the last uh, few games out of, out of necessity. And, we, you know, we're going to need backup when he goes uh, into the test camp and thrown Keller possibly out as well. So um, and we so we needed this good display from him hitting his starts and doing doing all the things he needs to do around the pitch. So it was good confidence uh, for him as well, you know. So, um, yeah, Ross Byrne again added the extra points to make it 21 to five. Now, the Scarlets, to be fair, kept plugging away, trying to make something happen. And they nearly did when John McNichol did a superb escape from his half, including a behind the back pass. And uh, when it was eventually kicked ahead over our try line, Cosgrove managed to beat Steph Evans to the ball with a little help from the posts. So having failed again to score at our end, we won a penalty for offside, putting us back down in their 22, where quite a bit happened, Rich. I don't know what you mean, Jeff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
It was the Dan Jones horror show, wasn't it? Uh, I think he'd been pinged about three times already for uh, for being offside. Uh, clearly fluffed his his lines again, I and mean, we got close to the uh, to the try line. Um, gets binned um, because of it. Repeated infringements. Although to be honest, I, I, it may have happened, but I didn't hear the ref uh, giving them a warning. Uh, he probably he probably did because it was uh, straight out straight to the pocket with that. Um, so anyway, we get a we get a pen after that uh, off the line out. Um, we start charging and chucking it up uh, towards the line. We get almost over. We very near the posts. We we then go left. Um, Ross Byrne tries a loopy pass. Uh, Johnny McNichol does. I presume what he what he attempted to do was uh, catch the ball, but you can't do that with one hand. Uh, in this day and age, if you, if you are, you're gonna you're gonna have to catch it. Um, so he just pretty much slaps it in the air. It was a three on one by that stage. Uh, penalty try all day long. Yellow card. Uh, I mean, it was just a comedy of errors for for Scarlett at that stage. Uh, that 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 particular minute of play was awful for him. I, I wonder with Dan Jones, was it uh, almost like petulance from him um, doing all these offsides because of frustration? I mean, I know a lot of people think uh, a lot of people think, oh, Leinster's defense is so good, and they, they're saying we're offside all the time. Whatever. I mean, he was just. Um, it, it's just weird to see the same player. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's weird to see the same player do it again and again like that. Yeah, it's just, and, and you know, that clearly they 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 gotten on the wrong side of the ref anyway mm. uh, as a result of all, the, of, of all of that so you know it was, there was only one outcome yeah I, I think by the time he went off it was his fifth yeah probably like just it, it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous being told being told three times and then getting the warning like the warning only a minute before is the ridiculous part of that where you're just like did you not hear yeah. Or did your captain not say something to you? And plus, again. And you and and I don't I think refs really don't want to 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 bin someone for offsides. You know what I mean? It's usually for other things, but I, I mean he, he gave him he gave him no choice in this case. You know, I've been warning you, but sure, anyway, listen. So anyway, uh, with the automatic seven points, uh sewing up the try bonus point, and to all intents and purposes, the match itself. I want to give the lads a couple of general topics to harp on, since like I said earlier, the match really did fizzle out from here on in. Connor, maybe you can talk about uh, Ross Burns' overall role with Leinster. We've we've had a lot of options coming through at ten, like uh, Frawley, and we saw young Charlie Tector getting on for a cameo here. But while I've while I, while I've seen a lot of um, of comments about Ross over the years, we have to say that uh, especially in matches like this one, he's done a lot of good work for Leinster. Yeah, I think the best thing I've heard about Ross Byrne um, from anybody was uh, at a Munster match where Joey Carberry was, was not on his best form. And the comment was, we took the wrong 10. You know, that if they'd taken Ross Byrne, perhaps that might have been a much more uh, productive move uh, and productive piece of business for them. Um, look, he gets, he gets a lot of stick for particular things. And... I think it's mostly because he's not Johnny Sexton and he doesn't play like Johnny. He doesn't play as flat to the line. He likes to play a bit deeper. Um, and that, you know, all those people who want to see these lovely slick back moves and that, and, and they'll get it with Johnny and they'll get it with Frawley and you get something different with Ross Byrne. 
But I don't think what you get is bad. I think what it's just different. It's not what you might want to see, and it's not the champagne stuff. But you get solid, dependable, reliable. He hits his tackles. You see him hitting rooks. You see him kicking for touch. I mean, the, the one that led to Clarkson's try. You say, you know, he's from about halfway to within seven or eight meters of the try line with his kick. You know, that is that's worth every one of those meters. It is just it is worth its weight. You know, it's he's he's very, very dependable. Like I say, he's not the flashiest in the world. And sometimes you're kind of looking going, oh, just just take half a step forward or be moving before that ball is coming out of the rock that it'll create space, it'll create doubt in the defensive line. Um, but that's just when you want to be picky. I think, you know, with Johnny, Johnny will be absent for a lot of this year. I think we will see him play maybe four more games in the URC. I think we'll see him play all four of the group matches in the Heineken Cup. And other than that, Ross is going to need to be every bit as dependable as I'm saying he is now. He's going to need to be at his best. And it, it might mean that because his best is not the same as someone else's best, that he doesn't quite fit the mould for what the Irish team want. Uh, I don't think he should see that as a bad thing. I think he should just see that that's... He's a different kind of player. Yep. You know, there are only a few players who are fitting that mold right now, and we'll see. We'll see what other ones are coming up through uh, through various provinces. But um, yeah, he's just for all for all the stick he gets, and for all the difficulty in seeing what people say about him. And, and you don't want to see that kind of difficulty. You don't want to see people bad mouthing him because you know he, he's one of those players. He's the reason. He's he's you know he's one of those players who's the reason Leinster have been so successful over the last few years, is because it's okay for Johnny to be gone. We've somebody who can do a really really good job. It's not an identical job, but it's a good job that gets the work done. Okay, so Rich, we're going to move over to yourself. Uh, we've already spoken about how poor the Scarlets have been this season, but uh, maybe you can just sum it up a bit for us. They were they were champions in 2017 after blowing us away in the semi final and. They're, they've been talking a lot recently about the 50th anniversary of their own version of Alone It Stands, having beaten a touring all-black side back in 72. But the 2022 version has been disappointing, to say the least. Although, to be fair, they were missing a few good players, even more than us. Yeah, but it's, you know, this, is, this hasn't just happened. This has been a gradual decline, hasn't it? It's a combination of having lost very good players, um, the likes of Tyke Byrne, uh, John Barkley, uh, Lee Harpenny is, is out for a, for a long time but you know you and the, the other side to this particular coin of course is that the John, oh, Jonathan Davis of, of 2017 isn't the Jonathan Davis of this uh, year you know it's five years five years is a long time um, and players careers wax and wane as, as, as they progress through them uh, so you know they you know some players were very very Agile, mobile in 2017 won't be now, you know. Um, also, different coaching tickets, um, the turmoil that keeps surrounding Welsh rugby uh, wherever you look. Um, 
you know, all, I don't think there is one single thing that that is affecting uh, Scarlets, uh, because I mean, let's face it, the Scarlets were our nemesis for many, many years, uh, a few years ago. Uh, they were a damn fine side uh, and, and better than us on, on a number of occasions uh, and deserved um, winners of the competition. Uh, but like I said, there's been a gradual decline in 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 the in the team, and they, and they play a very entertaining brand of rugby. Normally, they are, I suppose, the you know what Welsh rugby tries to pride itself in, which is a, an expansive, uh, all courts uh, type of rugby, and, and they've always played that way. Um, so it, you know, it's it, it's a shame that they they're not. Um, up to those standards. Uh, and I think it's a shame for Welsh rugby that the regions, sorry, uh, their regions aren't up to a standard that they ought to, with the, with the possible exception of, uh, of Cardiff, who seem to be a bit on the up. But Cardiff, you know, a few years ago were a very good side, as were the the, the Ospreys, the Dragons. But, you know, all the others uh, have been. But the, like I say, this seems to be a um a wider malaise of Welsh rugby than than the uh, the Scarlets. Yeah. And of course with the you know with the Welsh uh, fan base, if you can call it as it is, um they you can't really afford to have too many cooling off periods and honeymoon periods for new coaches and stuff. They really they need results on the pitch and they need uh, and one thing the Scarlets uh, website does that I like um when they announce their team they they basically they're one of those uh, teams that they when they when they give their team announcement they account for every player on the page they 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 name the team and then they say these players are off with the international camp these yeah. players are out injured you see everyone's name and you know yeah. where they are but when you looked at this list for this game you you like you could pick a hell of a starting team just from the players that are that, that are missing mm-hmm. um, so so they were they were they were down a lot for this for this particular match but it yeah. is a, it is it is a shame to see them down there um, yeah. all right okay so um, well there's just one more score to wrap up here like I say the match was fizzling out after that bonus point score and shortly after Charlie Tech came on for Ross Byrne. He put a penalty into the corner for the Leinster pack to do their thing from the lineout. And what happened, Connor? And the Leinster thing, the Leinster team did their thing from the lineout. Um, again, well taken dart, nicely set up, and the mall gets moving. And then an absolute, I, I can only describe it as a brain fart. Like, what was Davies doing? As a scrum hand, you are not supposed to be putting your head into any mall because not only do you not know where you should be putting your head and you don't know when you should be putting it there, but you know, you're not exactly the physique designed for doing anything with it. So when he comes in to, from the side to try and slow it down and ends up dragging it down, there's nothing the referee could do except give him a yellow card and go walking under the sticks again for another penalty try, I think it, it's one of those moments where he, he's he's normally like he, he's a good player. Hmm. He's just had this absolute moment of, I know, not again, not another one. We need to hmm. keep this looking like a reasonable score. Ah, crap, yeah. you know. And and <laughs> there was nothing he could do. It was either stand back and let it go over, or try and do something, but do completely the wrong thing. And give away 
the penalty try. I mean, whatever about giving away a penalty, giving away a penalty try, and and, and there was no that's it, no choice in that position with the mall moving that confidently and that strongly was the only way it was ever going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. And you d- you definitely don't want to see both halfbacks go to the bin at some stage, but especially when it's those two that you'd be relying on for leadership uh, on the pitch and stuff. And, you know, it, was a, it, it, it wasn't a good sight. And it was definitely a sign of frustration in the kind of season the Scarlets are having so far. But, um, you know, again, t- to be fair, you know, they, they never gave up for the, for, the, for the rest of this match, even though they were a man down. They did what they could to add to their five points towards the end. In fact, overall, they dominated the territory stats 56 to 45 which just showed how much more efficient we were with the ball and we were sort of more comfortable on the defensive side of things as well. They did manage to edge the penalty count 16 to 15, which is about the right kind of average for this particular ref, uh, Mr. Perardi. And uh, Reese Ruddock was named player of the match as Leinster finished up comfortable winners by 35 points to five. So now just a few final thoughts from the lads, starting with yourself, Connor. Um, look, I, I said it on the Facebook page as well, you know, you go away and you get five points and that's job done. I'm, I'm really quite pleased with that, you know, where you've got such a mixed team, fellas on their first cap, um, fellas who aren't used to that environment. And again, it's what we've been doing so well since Bath in, geez, what year was that? Uh, you know, of bringing in young guys and giving them opportunity, giving them space. And they'll go into the video session. Yeah, there'll be a thing of, do you see what you did wrong here? And it won't be, you bloody Egypt, look what you did. Mm. It's, here's here's how you did something wrong. Here's how we can fix that. Here's how you can be better next time. And the Leinster conveyor belt of talent just keeps rolling on. You know, you've said it that mm-hmm. Scarlets were down a significant number of players. Well, so are we. Mm. Um, and all these cliches of you can only play what's in front of you and all that. I think Leinster did a really, really good job building a team for the night. And that team got out and did the job, did the job right. Absolutely. Rich? Yeah, you know, I totally agree with uh, everything Connor said. Um, when I looked at the team sheets, at, at, you know, the day before, whatever it was, and they were published, I thought, you know, there's an awful lot of young kids in here, pretty much. I thought I thought we'd we would get the win. I didn't think it was going to be as comfortable uh, as it ended up being. Uh, and let's face it, that was an incredibly comfortable win. Uh, five points in the bag, back away from uh, from Wales. You know, admittedly, Scarlets haven't been at, at, at the top of the game of their game, I should say, but uh, this season. But you know, and 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 that is that was the most pleasing thing. I think it's it's this slotting in. Um, of of youngsters, you know, it's like uh, that that final uh, penalty try. That was the new front row came on, and it slotted in perfectly, seamlessly, and and you know, and that is credit completely to the coaching staff as well as the players, because to 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 be able to manage the comings and the goings of all these players and styles and characters and everything else throughout the course of a season with the, with with the diversity of movement that that there is, is is nothing sort of miraculous how they do it. It really is to be able to, uh, you know, yes, of course, we have a great deal of depth, but you need to be able to make sure that that depth is, it's the right people at the right time, with the right training, with the right coaching, you know, and and all of that. 
So yeah, kudos to um, um, to the coaching team. Uh, they just do a brilliant job. They yeah. really do. Now it's time for a few more full-time takes uh, from social media uh, from when the game finished. Um, first of all, we have Martin Lynch. He said, played great. Great to see the new lads making their debut. Top of the table. Thumbs up. Definitely. Uh, Greg Kelly said, uh, if you've seen one of these games, you've seen them all. Blood a few new players on the conveyor belt in a pretty run-of-the-mill five-pointer against poor opposition. Uh, grim but true. Um, Ronan McManus said, uh, Rob Russell isn't the flashiest player on the pitch, but he has shown so far this year that his awareness, positioning, and finishing are absolutely first class. No doubts there. Uh, that was from Facebook. Over on Twitter, uh, Tom Coleman, also known as Leinster Royalty, he's appeared on many a show for us. Um, he says that Maloney, Reese, Deegan, and halfbacks led the way. Great shift by Ed Byrne beside two young fellas. Uh, also, we had Marno Marinen, who said, uh, so after 40 seconds, Leinster had an insurmountable lead. You can't argue with those facts. Um, next up, uh, we had, this is from a Scarlet's uh, viewpoint. Gareth Owain said, pretty grim, I know, but there is green shoots. It's an imbalanced squad that uh, Peel inherited. This season was never going to be pretty. So that's a fair enough assessment. It's disappointing to see the Scarlets uh, where they are, but hopefully they will be back soon. Um, I'll put more full-time takes on the show's page over at harpenandrugby.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation yourself, feel free to head over to our Facebook page at full time after every Lancer and Ireland match to leave your thoughts. So now it's time for a wrap of round seven of the URC. Uh, here's all the results. It was uh, Glasgow 37, Benetton nil, uh, Scarlets you know, five, Leinster, 35, uh, Lions, 22, Stormers, 31, Dragons, 47, Zebra, 7, uh, Munster, of course, 14, Ulster, 15, Ospreys, 19, Connor, 22. Then we had Bulls, 40, Sharks, 27. And finally, uh, rounding off this round and this whole block of games, actually, we had Cardiff, 17, Edinburgh, 25. Now, that leaves the table uh, after seven rounds, not seven full rounds, of course. Some teams have games in hands. Uh, Leinster are top at the moment with 33 points from seven matches. Next up, there's Ulster with uh, 25 and a game in hand. The Bulls have 24. They've also played seven, though. Stormers do have a game in hand. They're 24. And then the rest of the top eight is Edinburgh, Cardiff, Glasgow and Chelsea Sharks. Now, the for Leinster's point of view, there's a, there's a good advantage that all, a lot of those teams behind us in the top eight are actually, their game in hand is against each other, so they won't all pick up points from that. So that's a good thing to know from that. Further down the table, unfortunately, you've got Connett in 12th and then Munster, very worryingly, in 14th. They have a lot of ground to make up to make that top eight, and it hasn't been a great start to the season for them. And, uh, of course, Scarlet's also further down in 15th. Uh, but that, that's the way the league looks. Now, the, the obviously, the Autumn Internationals are coming up. The URC kicks back into gear at the end of November. On Friday, November 25th, there's uh, Stormers host the Scarlets and Ulster against Zebra. And then on the Saturday, you've got Bulls against Ospreys, uh, Benetton against Edinburgh, Leinster host Glasgow Warriors, and then another interprovincial as Munster host Connacht. And then finally, on Sunday, November the 27th, there's going to be the Lions against the Dragons. And finally, the Sharks against Cardiff. So that's what's uh, coming up. Um, we're going to take a bit of a break after, uh, you know, for international rugby, but the URC will be back at the end of November. Okay, well, that's brilliant. We're going to leave it there for now. Uh, many thanks to Connor and Rich for joining me, and also to my son, John, for sneaking in and plugging in the charge on my laptop before I lost the Zoom call. Um, we, <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in, and we'll talk to you again soon. See you. Thanks a million, guys.
Thanks. Cheers. Now it's time for a few more full-time takes uh, from social media uh, from when the game finished. Um, first of all, we have Martin Lynch. He said, played great. Great to see the new lads making their debut. Top of the table. Thumbs up. Definitely. Uh, Greg Kelly said, uh, if you've seen one of these games, you've seen them all. Blood a few new players on the conveyor belt in a pretty run-of-the-mill five-pointer against poor opposition. Uh, grim but true. Um, Ronan McManus said, uh, Rob Russell isn't the flashiest player on the pitch, but he has shown so far this year that his awareness, positioning, and finishing are absolutely first class. No doubts there. Uh, that was from Facebook. Over on Twitter, uh, Tom Coleman, also known as Leinster Royalty, he's appeared on many a show for us. Um, he says that Maloney, Reese, Deegan, and halfbacks led the way. Great shift by Ed Byrne beside two young fellas. Uh, also, we had Marno Marinen, who said, uh, so after 40 seconds, Leinster had an insurmountable lead. You can't argue with those facts. Um, next up, uh, we had, this is from a Scarlet's uh, viewpoint. Gareth Owain said, pretty grim, I know, but there is green shoots. It's an imbalanced squad that uh, Peel inherited. This season was never going to be pretty. So that's a fair enough assessment. It's disappointing to see the Scarlets uh, where they are, but hopefully they will be back soon. Um, I'll put more full-time takes on the show's page over at harpenandrugby.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation yourself, feel free to head over to our Facebook page at full time after every Lancer and Ireland match to leave your thoughts. So now it's time for a wrap of round seven of the URC. Uh, here's all the results. It was uh, Glasgow 37, Benetton nil, uh, Scarlet's, you know, five, Leinster 35, uh, Lions 22, Stormers 31, Dragons 47, Zebra 7, uh, Munster, of course, 14, Ulster 15, Ospreys 19, Connor 22. Then we had Bulls 40, Sharks 27. And finally, uh, rounding off this round and this whole block of games, actually, we had Cardiff 17, Edinburgh 25. Now, that leaves the table uh, after seven rounds, not seven full rounds, of course. Some teams have games in hands. Uh, Leinster are top at the moment with 33 points from seven matches. Next up, there's Ulster with uh, 25 and a game in hand. The Bulls have 24. They've also played seven, though. Stormers do have a game in hand. They're 24. And then the rest of the top eight is Edinburgh, Cardiff, Glasgow and Celsius Sharks. Now, the for Leinster's point of view, there's a, there's a good advantage that all, a lot of those teams behind us in the top eight are actually, their game in hand is against each other. So they won't all pick up points from that. So that's a good thing to know from that. Further down the table, unfortunately, you've got Connett in 12th and then Munster very worryingly in 14th. They have a lot of ground to make up to make that top eight. And it hasn't been a great start of the season for them. And uh, of course, Scarlet's also further down in 15th. Uh, but that, that's the way the league looks. Now, the, the obviously the Autumn Internationals are coming up. The URC kicks back into gear at the end of November. On Friday, November 25th, there's uh, Stormers host the Scarlet's and Ulster against Zebra. And then on the Saturday, you've got Bulls against Ospreys, uh, Benetton against Edinburgh, Leinster host Glasgow Warriors, and then another interprovincial as Munster host Connacht. And then finally on Sunday, November the 27th, is going to be the Lions against the Dragons, and finally the Sharks against Cardiff. So that's what's said. Uh, Coming up, um, we're going to take a bit of a break after, uh, you know, for international rugby, but the URC will be back at the end of November.